never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows you cannot be past where the sun sets. And if you think you can, then I am directly south of an idiot, which is down. My name is Drew. I'll be your host of the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm, it's going. Um, yeah, ooh, nice. You know what? There was something I was supposed to, there was something I was going to try and watch before the show started, and I completely forgot to do so. Um, but we'll get to that momentarily because maybe you checked it out. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about it after, or I'm going to be watching it after the show. Um, okay, fair so, enough. So, <laughs> uh, what have you? Um, what are you watching? What are we reading? What's going on? Yeah. So, um, the first <clears throat> thing that I wanted to mention could probably fit into this show's uh, top five topic, <laughs> except it's a TV show and not a movie. But I watched sure. this uh, show on Netflix uh, with my wife called. Emily in Paris. Are you familiar with this at all? Um, I am familiar with this because they're getting incredible buzz about how people in Europe are not liking the show. <laughs> oh, really? That's crazy. Yeah. I need to I need to look that up. It, I'm, I'm assuming it's either there's just inaccuracies or there's offensive aspects of it or something. Um, I was going to say this is a show that it's an MTV produced show about a girl who kind of happens her way into a job in Paris and uh, kind of like her difficulties with the sort of culture shock and the, you know, relationships she forms over there and stuff. Uh, The show is almost, it's very, very close to uh, the devil wears Prada as far as like, you know, woman gets a job she's in over her head she deals with a difficult boss and the difficulties of the job and stuff i was gonna say i actually really enjoyed this i thought this was a really charming series and like this is an mtv produced show that i think is targeted at girls in their late teens and early 20s so i'm outside of the demographic but i enjoyed the show quite a bit actually i thought it was really charming charming and uh just really humorous overall uh, what's the backlash about? I'm a little bit curious. Do you um, know have, any of the I would specifics? Have to, I'd have to look that up specifically. It's been floating around in the news. It has been getting traction. Um, oh, okay. Well, uh, well, to be while to you're be talking, fair, I will see if I can find it. <laughs> okay. Well, I was gonna say to be fair, I didn't take the show like necessarily super serious. I was just kind of pleasantly su- surprised because I went in not expecting much, and I was like, oh, you know, the show is not too bad, but um. I can move on to my next thing. I don't necessarily have too much to say about Emily in Paris, but I am curious about the backlash. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. So what was your other thing that you were talking about? Oh, sure. So uh, I also watched this movie on Amazon Prime called The Lie. Do you know this movie at all? Are you familiar? The Lie? Yeah, The Lie. Um, L-I-E. No. Okay. Not off the top of my head. 
This movie is a pretty good thriller that, uh, as far as I know, it just came out. And uh, it's this is a pretty interesting watch. Uh, The plot of this movie is a guy is driving a girl and her friend to a ballet camp. And uh, on the way, um, the girl and her friend convince the father to pull off to the side of the road because they have to they were going to like go to the bathroom in the woods or something goofy like that. And what ends up happening is while the girls are away from the car, uh, daughter pushes her friend off of a bridge. (laughs) So sorry, it's like super morbid, but it's, it's this thing where basically this, this guy's daughter kills her friend and the father and the mother and the whole family decide to cover this up because, it's basically an exploration of this is a horrible thing our daughter did. We're going to cover this up. And then what does this do to the family? So the lie, um, the titular aspect of the lie is just we're lying that our daughter didn't kill her friend. And uh, this one's an interesting watch. It's uh, it's one of those things where you probably it's not it's not a feel good movie at all. It's probably going to piss you off, but it is really engross grossing. It is interesting. It's a pretty good thriller. Um, I don't want to say too much more because uh, I don't want to ruin it. But if you're looking for kind of a more, uh, you know, high stakes, uh, maybe slightly morbid thriller, I guess. Uh, check it out. I, I thought it was pretty enjoyable overall. So, um, Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's honestly it for me. Um, and I don't know if you found out anything about Emily in Paris or you just wanted to move into your um, uh, watching and reading. It's mostly critical backlash from what I'm seeing. Um, OK, but, not, but I'm not finding. But I'm not finding. Uh, but it's getting it's it's experiencing backlash primarily because of the Netflix cancellations, because Netflix wants to pull the plug on it. And people are like, no, don't pull the plug on this. But Netflix also just canceled Glow and uh, yeah. Bounty Hunters. So um, Netflix might yeah. have done one season like, yeah, this isn't for us. And now fans are like, that might be what the backlash really is. Um, yeah. Because this article is like very vague. I'm like, wait a minute, what's actually happening? Um, I just yeah, saw that um, traction on the news, so. Yeah, like I said, it is a really fun series. Like, I probably would watch a second season if they made it. Um, And, oh, I was going to comment, though, just because we're talking about backlash on the show. There is a pretty funny bit of backlash because uh, the main character in the show comes from Chicago. And uh, there's at one point in the show, they're talking about American food and like Chicago dishes, specifically Chicago pizza. And there's actually a dig at uh, Lou Malnati's in the show. (laughs) And I saw that like Lou Malnati's like was quoted or something that they're pissed off that the show is making fun of them or whatever, which I thought was pretty funny. So, sure. Um, well, <laughs> so I didn't really watch anything this week. Um, okay. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Drew is busy. Um, no. Yep. So what I did was um, I I started reading. Um, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, the new 52 run. Um, I'm like, I don't know, three, maybe four issues in, but I started reading that and it's fantastic. Um, I don't know why I should have read it earlier. Um, what's interesting about this series is, do you remember, do you remember reading, um, like wild storm and, uh, the darkness would be a good example. Um, and uh, like a couple other top cow type um, 
comics back in the day? So I think I know where this is factoring in, but uh, yeah, I, I know okay. I know of uh, like Wildstorm comics, definitely okay. and stuff like that. For some reason, Red Hood and the Outlaws, uh, DC's New Fifty Two run, feels like that kind of a read. Oh, okay, that's fine. Like it just has that feel to it, and it's just really fun and exciting, and it's fast paced. And I got through seventy five pages, and I'm like. I've read 75 pages of this already. I feel like I've been sitting here for like 45 for like, I felt like I had been sitting there for like 10 minutes. Um, yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, no, it's really, really cool. Um, and then what I wanted to watch before the show, but I didn't have time cause it came in yesterday. Um, Batman animated film death in the family with the interactive segments of seeing the three different endings arrived at my house yesterday. Um, and oh, I, that's awesome. I didn't and know that I wanted to idea. try and watch it before we recorded, but we're recording a day early than normal. So otherwise I would have had it watched and been able to give a review. <laughs> um, so that is that might be what I'm watching when we get done with the uh, uh, show tonight. The thing, yeah, that, that sounds like a great time. I definitely want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's three um, endings, too. There's uh, Robin dies, Robin cheats death, and Robin, I don't remember what the third option is, but I'm like, there's three options. So I'm kind of wondering, can I watch, can I just jump, and I watch the, can I watch the one where Robin dies, because that'll be comic book focused. And then the other two are um, Robin cheats death, and Robin, I think, becomes the Red Hood. So, like, Robin becomes the Red Hood will probably be a little uh, comic book focused, but then um, Robin cheats death. I'm not even sure what that means. So, I'm really kind of curious. Nice. Um, yeah, that's great. And then uh, the thing that I was going to watch before I sat down, which I forgot to, and we were suddenly recording, I'm like, oh, I forgot to watch this, is the Monster Hunter trailer came out today. Oh, I oh. had no idea. Yeah, Mila Jovich is jumping into the uh, bandwagon for. Uh, um, uh, video game movies again and she's doing Monster Hunter and that trailer dropped today and I saw a brief clip of it and it just looked like the images that they had on the clip just looked fantastic but it was a quick thing on Instagram so it wasn't much for me to go off of so I'm like I it, as far as I from what I know about the franchise that what I the brief clip I saw of the trailer looks like video game fa- uh, fans should be happy because it looks great it looks like it's from the game but then i don't know beyond that so yeah right on i um i've i haven't played those games at all um i know i'm pretty sure this movie's directed by paul ws anderson so it's it gonna is. be uh you know same director as the resident evil movies and i'm expecting if nothing else it's gonna have a lot of badass visuals and awesome fight scenes so i am definitely down for that but uh yeah i look forward to checking out the trailer i didn't even know that came out yet yeah it dropped today so we'll see what happens um uh yeah so i plan on watching that when i get out and i you know what's interesting is there's so many like see we don't record we don't air this live like we don't record live and post on youtube like a lot of people do and um I've noticed a lot of podcasts like I'm listening to like Kevin Smith's podcast and they watched a trailer to comment on. But because they had the trailer playing on their YouTube version of the show, YouTube pulled them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just like because because of copyrights and stuff, um, because we are an after like I just don't want our show pulled for that kind of stuff. So, um yeah, I don't know. I just so I don't want to like suddenly pull up the trailer and go like give us our reactions. Like let's both watch together. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, I act, I honestly I don't I don't I watch 
or I, I mean, I listen to podcasts more than watch them. So actually to me, it's a bit annoying when, uh, you know, I'm listening to an audio podcast and they're like, all right, we're going to watch a trailer. And then I'm like, okay, well, I know I'm going to have to listen to a lot of, uh, background noise and dialogue for something I can't see right now, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Any, uh, anything else or, uh, no, my list is very small. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, because I, because basically, um, I, I've talked about, I teach that D and D class for the park district. Um, and, uh, those, the, the players have been throwing me some curveballs being a DM. So like I, I taught, I teach the class to kind of explain how the game works and everything, help them build their characters and they're all beginners, but we're now playing the campaign and they're throwing me curveballs here and there. So I've actually had to do some D and D lore and game prep and stuff. And that's, what's taken a lot of my time in terms of watching slash not watching. Um, and then I started reading red hood and the outlaws and I'm like, this is just so good, you know? So that's basically what happened. Um, but I have the, I have the Batman uh, death in the family and, um, I have other stuff I want to watch. Like I never watched Titans uh, season two. Um, and that's on my list of stuff to tackle as well. So, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. I was going to say, after watching uh, the Death in the Family movie, you could follow that up with uh, watching a Vandersnatch on Netflix and just have a <laughs> choose-your-own-adventure. Just all interactive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, why not? Um, all right, well, let's do this. Let's jump into the news. Um, we, have a, we actually have some stories here. Um, so some of them hit today. Um, I don't know how big tangents these are going to go, so we'll see what happens. Um <laughs> So let's talk about a negative one real quick because we've talked about this before. This isn't negative in terms of bad. It's not negative in terms of like I think it's a negative story. It's interesting because it's coming from an author's mouth. Um, and, okay. we've all, and we've all talked about how Alan Moore, um, uh, creator of The Watchmen, for example, um, and he's written a bunch of other books. Like he's he's most well known for The Watchmen and The Killing Joke. Those are his two big books, I think. Oh, and his Run a Swamp Thing. Those are the three that Alan Moore, in terms of the comic book world, is known for. I think if I had to put those on like pillars for him, I, I would say so too. A couple of other uh, properties he's done has like gained a lot of traction, like um, V for Vendetta. Um, oh yeah, he, he did, did do From that. Hell. Um, and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, I think those three are kind of pretty big names, probably mostly because of the movies that came from them. But, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah, anyway, so Alan Moore says, um, and this is interesting to hear because we've heard how Alan Moore has been, Alan Moore has been vocal about, um, I don't know if his disdain for comic books lately or how the industry has handled comic books or what, but um, this quote is really interesting. Um, the acclaimed author believes that adapting superhero genre movies has blighted cinema and blighted the culture to a degree as they were originally created for children and not grown adults longing for a nostalgic remembered childhood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's basically saying that all these uh, adults are basically just trying to re- reclaim their childhood and, comic book movies are no comic book movies are no longer for kids. Um, and it's, it's basically the uh, passing judgment, uh, comment because I don't like the fact that all these adults are into this stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't, this one's kind of hard to know what to say. I did hear that, uh, Alan Moore was, uh, saying some stuff that was irking a bunch of people, but it's just kind of, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of just every couple of years you hear quotes like this from him, and it's usually really negative stuff. Um, obviously, Alan Moore is an amazing writer. He's one of the most talented writers to ever, you know, work in comics. But I don't necessarily agree with him that like comic book movies is making cinema go downhill or anything. I don't. I actually don't know if I see that much of a difference between some of these superhero movies and like you know, some of the eighties action movies we had that were just like guys with huge muscles beating each other up and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't really know what to say about this one. It's just kind of, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, I didn't know what to say about it, but I thought it was worth bringing up just because of how Alan Moore has been kind of vocal about it. Um, but you know, if he's going to keep talking negative stuff, maybe we don't have him. Maybe we don't talk about his negativity on the show. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's Uh, just, he's just at a point in his career where he can do his own thing though. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to work for Marvel and DC and he doesn't necessarily want to play nice with them, which I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. I support it. It's just, I'm not always going to agree with the guy either. So I don't know. (laughs) Well, do you, um, do you remember, actually, let me just take a quick look at the news here. Oh, you want to do another quoted story? This is kind of cool. How did you feel about Luke Skywalker dying at the end of uh, uh, Last Jedi? I don't know if I've come to terms oh, with spoilers, it. Spoilers, by the way. If you <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was really shocking. Um, I don't know if it's the way that I wanted to see him die, but I think it was a really interesting twist in that story. Um, so I guess I have mixed feelings on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there uh, what do you think about it or I'm kind of curious where this is going. (laughs) Well, the I liked The Last Jedi as a whole, like it is the movie. I liked it the first time I saw it. I know it's the most controversial of the films, Um, but I've read many, many reports that Ryan Johnson um, like and this is like critically critical stuff is that people have said Ryan Johnson envisioned George's vision of Star Wars closer than anyone else when it came to came to the sequel trilogy. And. It made me wonder why people kept saying that. And it could have been an issue of like understanding the mythological archetypes. It could have been an issue of understanding the characters and like choices and motivations and all that stuff better than anyone else. And maybe they're referring to the classic characters. I'm not 100 percent sure. What I do know is that one of the things in Ryan Johnson's script is he chose to kill Luke Skywalker at the end of episode eight. Now, did he need to? Maybe, maybe not. How Luke went out, I think People can argue all they want about the um, people can argue all they want about what got Luke to the point where that happened in the film. But how it played out, the force projection, the heroic gesture, like the way it all happened, I think was incredibly emotionally satisfying in the best way. And if you're going to kill a character like that, I don't think you even if you waited to the final movie to do that, I don't think you could have done it in a better way. Um, that being said, I know it's a big controversial point. However, recently turns out George Lucas, because he, he did a lot of story treatments for these movies before he sold the company to Disney, um, in a, uh, years before the last Jedi had begun development in a 2012 story treatment from George Lucas had Luke Skywalker dying at the end of episode eight. Mm, interesting. I did think that was interesting. And the, and one of the biggest things I thought was interesting about it was the fact that there's several 
Um, there's a lot of uh, stuff about um, Lucas meeting with Abrams to discuss Star Wars and how to make Star Wars and how to write it properly. And like, this is why we tell this and understanding mythology and stuff before Abrams even started tackling it. I don't remember seeing a lot of stuff about Ryan Johnson ever meeting with Lucas, but it makes me wonder if they did. And that's why Ryan went that way. And he understood that, Hey, this is something George had in mind from the beginning with, and I'm going to honor that. How do I make this all work and play in, you know? So it makes me wonder if, Ryan pulled that journey of Luke Skywalker from Lucas in general. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if Ryan did uh, meet with George Lucas or if it was, uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like maybe he just pulled it from the original scripts or outlines that George Lucas had. Um, Either way, I do think it's a really cool detail and it is, um, it is interesting when you think of George Lucas, uh, yeah. like hearing George Lucas's reaction to The Force Awakens and how he was George Lucas pretty much called The Force Awakens fan service when it came out. And uh, it's kind of interesting knowing that and then seeing how this story is unfolding and how people are saying Ryan Johnson was closer to Lucas's vision and then seeing how Johnson is keeping certain aspects of that alive. It's a very interesting story and it. I mean, I'd hope that we find, hear some more behind the scenes stuff of uh, just about, you know, did Ryan Johnson meet up with George Lucas and stuff like that? I think there's a lot of interesting uh, sort of interweavings we could find out about there. I think what's going to happen is about 15 years, 10 to 15 years, someone's going to do some digging at Lucasfilm and they're going to dig out. I'll dig up the book. They're going to dig up some information and write a book about the making of the sequel trilogy. And we're going to get a lot of these industry stories. And I feel like that's going to happen because we didn't get all those deep behind the scenes industry stories for the original trilogy until many years later. And I think, and the same thing goes with the prequels. Uh, There's some fantastic books out there uh, by JD Rensler who wrote the making of empire strikes back and the making of return of the Jedi. He did a few, and I, I don't know. He didn't do every movie because eventually they lost the contract to keep going, but they're amazing books and they're all the behind the scenes storied history of everything that happened. Um, and he dug real deep putting those books together and met with George yeah. on a lot of stuff about him. So check those books out if you're interested, but I have a feeling something like that will come to play years later and it'll be specifically focused on the sequel trilogy. So, yeah. And I, I think that the sequel trilogy has a lot of, uh, the behind the scenes information about this trilogy when it does all come out, I think will be very interesting to read through because it seems like it was <laughs> to, to use kind terms, very loosely outlined going in. And I kind of just want to know all the ins and outs of how they outlined these films, how they scripted them, find out how the different directors and writers uh, kind of bounced ideas off each other whether it was sort of purposeful or reactionary. I think it's, I think behind the scenes in the sequel trilogy, there's a lot of interesting aspects too. Um, I'm sure you'd agree with that, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Um, so I don't know. It just, it really struck me as interesting when I read that. So um, moving on. Um Disney, since we're on Star Wars, Disney is refocusing business to streaming. Uh, They're doubling down on the streaming efforts as their company looks to change up their strategy for 2021. Um, 
This is the story I wanted to pull some more information about, but uh, the gist of it is basically, think about this, the parks, the Disney parks, yeah. are the biggest money makers for Disney, um, the hands down biggest money makers for Disney, and they're not getting the revenue from the parks that they were, and no one wants to see Disney go under because then we lose stuff like the Mandalorian and we lose stuff like the Marvel show is coming and stuff like that. But because of the success of the Mandalorian, because of the success of, and I don't know the numbers for Mulan yet, but they probably like tried this. Some big numbers came in and like, oh, this is interesting. Let's really double down on this Disney Plus thing because this is the future in terms of content, in terms of the streaming content. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not, but um, I just thought that was I interesting mean, to hear that they're moving forward. And in a COVID world, you know. It definitely makes sense that they would really be focusing on st streaming, but I don't know what they're going to do to make streaming pull in as much revenue as the parks like you think of going to a theme park and the the costs of souvenirs and uh like the rides and uh food and just like all this stuff that i feel like a a disney park is like a huge money trap for anybody to go to and i'm not like i'm not saying that's bad i'm saying i understand that's like how you run that business and it makes sense why that the parks bring in so much money for them, but a streaming service, I'm really curious what your strategy is to try to increase that revenue that much. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. It's just, I'm kind of more curious to see what I'm, comes. Of I'm this. more curious too, because you, you know, when you look at the TV model, you watch a little bit of a television show and they throw in a commercial and mm. those commercials are ad space. Um, and the same goes for like YouTube, there's ad space before you watch your videos and, um, Netflix doesn't really have ad space, but you know, like you watch HBO and they have ads, you know, whether you're watching HBO max, actually, hmm, that's interesting. I've never, I don't know if I've really looked at anything HBO centric on HBO max. And when I say that, I mean like not one of the shows off of HBO max, um, as opposed to, cause I've only, I've really only used HBO max to watch movies. Um, oh, okay. Um, and um, so, but if you watch HBO on television in general, you always have the ads before the movie starts or before the television starts or between things. Uh, that's yeah. ad space that they're selling and that's drawing revenue because people are spending money to make commercials and then they're spending the money and then they're getting paid for having those commercials in certain areas. I would hate to see Disney Plus run into ads. But if it's ads for themselves, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know, and I'd like to know what that is, but apparently you can make money off of streaming stuff. And, I mean, Disney Plus, they the amount of subscribers alone initially, you know what I mean? So Well, that that's what I think is curious about it, because of how much subscribers they got right away, and then how do you really increase that from here? Um, you might be right, though. They might be... They might be putting ads and stuff. So, yeah, it'll be really, really interesting to see how this goes moving forward. Right. Um, yeah, it will be. So we'll see. Um, let's see. I'm saving one big one for last because I think it's cool. Uh, did you watch Dexter? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not like religious, like caught every episode. I've watched a lot of it, though. Um, so, okay. yeah, what, what about Dexter? Um, Dexter Morgan is making his return in 2021 with a limited series of 10 episodes on Showtime. Oh, th that's uh, that sounds fun. That, yeah, that Michael C. Cool. Hall will be returning for a limited run of the series. It's, look, right now, it just looks like it's one season, but Dexter's coming back for a thing. And um, it's funny to me because, hey, who wants to bring the show back? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm Wait, saying, what do you mean? Who, what who in general? Who wants to bring the show back? Oh, you have a dead show? Let's bring it back. I feel like the networks are all like, we're going to be Oprah and be like, you get a show and you get a show and you get a show. <laughs> and hey, uh, people liked you. Let's come back and do this. There's so many things coming back right now. It's just yeah. it's weird. It's really weird. Like, what year are we living in? Um, I so. feel like Dexter, there still is enough of a demand for it. Um, I could be wrong there, but I feel like it's a, it was enough of a beloved show that people would want to see it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If they ever want to jump the shark, they could always do a crossover between Dexter and you and have uh, Dexter and the main character from you chasing each other around. <laughs> that could be pretty funny because <laughs> both those shows have a really similar vibe. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't have too much of a thought on this. I think it just sounds like fun in general, and hopefully, hopefully they don't screw it up. Hopefully they don't screw it up, right? Um, well, it's the it's the show it's the original show creator coming back too, so it's not just him. Um, okay, he's coming back with the original creator, so they should be smart enough to not screw it up. Um, all right, so let's jump into DC news because we got two DC stories, and then we'll jump over to the list. Um, so the first one is we're going to talk about Black Adam for a second. Uh, actress uh, Sarah Shahi, I want to say is how you say her last name, Shahi. Sarah Shahi, all right, has been cast as Isis in the upcoming Black Black Adam movie. Um, when they announced Black Adam, they were in in the DC fandom stuff. They did not bring up Isis at all, and um, I was really curious if they were going to cast that, that character, if she was going to play a role in the film. Um, I'm really kind of curious, and I'm really happy she's in the movie. I just was I didn't expect that, and then I saw it, and I was like, and just looking at her, like if you look up her picture, like. I mean, casting's perfect. Um, I don't really know her from anything, but uh, casting's perfect. So nice. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, I'm not too familiar with the actor, but I'll definitely look it up. Um, are you familiar <laughs> with the? Uh, are you familiar at all with the uh, character? Or did with you Isis? You no, like? not 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 really too much either. Oh. So. <laughs> okay, no, that's cool. Um, I got so my first experience with Isis in terms of Black Adam was. Did you ever read Fifty Two? No, I know. I know about it. Um, yeah, I've okay. never read. Um, so people so we use terms when we talk about D.C. The, the number 52 is a very magic number in the realm of D.C. And um, when you are talking about D.C. and you say the new 52, that's a very specific time frame between Flashpoint and Dark Side War. And it's legitimately an alternate alternate timeline. Right. Um, however, there was an event in D.C. years before Flashpoint called Infinite Crisis where after Infinite Crisis, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman disappeared. And then the next, like, week after Infinite Crisis ended, all the titles that were released on shelves had a little marker that said one year later. So there was this missing year in the DC timeline, and what DC did to rectify that missing year is they had a series called 52 because there's 52 weeks in a year. So they released one book every week for one year straight to fill in the missing timeline. Um, if you read it, it's fantastic. It's, um, it's such an amazing run, but Isis and black Adam are very heavily played characters within that story. And that was my first, uh, that was not, not my first run with Black Adam, but it was my first introduction introduction to ISIS and how that all played out. And I thought it was cool, um, and it made me like kind of appreciate the character. So I was excited to see that she'll be in the movie. So okay, nice, that's awesome. <laughs> Did you not know about the fifty two arc? 
No, I I knew about that arc. I've just never read okay. it. Um, and yeah, I, I just um, I don't know if ISIS is part of like the whole like Shazam like Black Adam corner of DC Comics. I just haven't read a lot of that stuff in general. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, just sure. don't have too much comment well, on when you here. Read fifty when you read that story arc, the fifty two arc. They were not necessarily Shazam, but Black Adam was very heavily involved in the stuff that was going on during that time. So you got a lot of history backstory that kind of stuff um all right last news story for the night do you remember hearing about the green lantern movie um yes <laughs> yes you remember <laughs> i when think there's were... been a green lantern movie in the, in the works for a while um for a I while. Think we've, we've probably talked about little tidbits here and there um yeah, but yeah it, it was not mentioned at it was not mentioned at uh dc fandom it was not meant like they haven't been talking about it um and one of my big things is, look, I'm a Green Lantern fan, but I'm like, when are we going to get the Green Lantern Corps? When is it happening? Um, mm-hmm. Breaking news, not breaking news tonight. This is a couple days ago. Breaking news. Um, no Green Lantern movie, but hour long, but a Green Lantern hour long episode television series featuring multiple lanterns will be um, hitting HBO Max. Yeah, I mean, it sounds be, pretty cool. It'll be a 10-episode um, ten, ten Green Lantern series and coming to HBO Max. They're, they didn't say if it's going to be uh, an ongoing. It could just be the 10 episodes. It could be several more. Um, the characters that the show will feature will be Guy Gardner, Jessica Cruz, Simon Baz, Alan Scott, Sinestro, and Kilowog. <laughs> right. Um, I'm surprised <laughs> that Hal Jordan's not on that list, but that doesn't mean he won't be on the list. Yeah. A, um, I don't know how you do a Green Lantern movie right now without Hal Jordan, but maybe they have plans for Hal Jordan come like bigger stuff like the Snyder Cut, for example. Um, and that's why. So I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, I, I did hear about uh, I did hear a little bit about this. Um, yeah, it is. It is kind of weird because to me, like Sinestro and Kilowog, like those stand out as like, okay, I can see where they're going to go with those characters. Uh, I think Guy Gardner and Alan Scott, both of them kind of, uh, bring a bit of a question mark above my head, just because Alan Scott is like the golden age, uh, green lantern and wasn't really connected with, uh, a lot of the other stuff we know about the green lantern. So... And then, uh, <clears throat> Oh, what we were going to say? No, I was going to say, just looking at it, so I agree with you. Sinestro and Kilowog are kind of shoe-ins. You're just like, yeah, okay, if we're doing a Green Lantern movie, why are we not going to... We have to have those two characters. Um, Alan Scott, I will totally agree with you. I think it's bizarre that they would do a Golden Age one at this point. Like, I would replace Alan Scott with Al Jordan if it was me. Right. Or I would replace Alan Scott with Jon Stewart if it was me. Um, Guy Gardner, I'm not the biggest fan of Guy Gardner, but... I understand. Yeah. Why don't we do him? Because he's going to be like your, he's going to be your wild card that no one really like, no, you know, he'll be the fun one that people don't really trust because he's such a <laughs> hothead. Um, That's true. Do you, uh, we'll keep go going. No, oh, no, I was going to say, you said you don't really like Gar- Guy Gardner. Do you know anyone who does? Like yes. Like, I, do you know I anybody do. who's like a huge fan of Guy Gardner? I don't want to say huge fan, but I know people who like Guy Gardner. Okay, um, interesting. Because most just, most people I know just think he's like a jackass or an idiot. So I just was like, yeah, and he's famous. And he is famous for Batman's one punch. 
Um, cause he, cause there's that book and I don't remember the issue, but he was mouthing off to Batman and Batman just one punched him and dropped him to the floor. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I might've seen memes based on that. I know, yeah. um, it's, it's know literally, it's literally of... known as the one punch. Um, and Guy Gardner in DC lore is made fun of a lot for it because Batman took him down one hit. Uh, <laughs> I know I've read a lot of common comics where, uh, Hal Jordan kicks his ass and stuff, but uh, right. no, I just and he also I, in the fifty two run, Guy Gardner was a Red Lantern, so that makes sense. Um, um, I I personally am not a big fan of Guy Gardner either, but if it's like an, an ensemble show, I can see where his character could uh, you know fill yeah. a void, and maybe they'll use him as more of a heel or something like that. Uh, there's probably some pretty interesting stuff they can do with him. Yeah, uh, yeah but uh, go on. I don't know. Well, Jessica Cruz, Jessica Cruz, I'm very excited for because um, I really, because of how the, what the lanterns represent, because of the issue of no fear, what I liked about Jessica Cruz's character when you read the Grand Lantern stories is that she is, so she is supposed to be a Green Lantern that exudes no fear. And for some reason, the lantern, ch- the ring chose her. Um, and she is an agoraph. She's agoraphobic, which means she doesn't like public places. She doesn't like people. Yeah. She has a fear of, she has a fear of, uh, crowds and people and stuff like that, but she has to be a green lantern and exude no fear because that's the whole point of the willpower is she can't have any fear. Um, so I thought that was a really cool thing, like a character twist. You have a character that is afraid of something and they have to draw their power from the fact that they're afraid and power through. And it's just like, it's just that message kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Simon Baz, I've never been a big fan of. Um, I just didn't like his character. I don't have anything against him. I just didn't like it. Um, he was the new 52 edition of the Green Lantern Corps. Um, same with Jessica Cruz, but Simon Baz came first. But Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz are your diversity casts um, in that list. Um, Guy Gardner and Alan Scott will probably be, um, they'll probably get them as close as they can. That's why I'd say Alan Scott, in my opinion, you throw Idris Elba in there and do John Stewart, but that's me. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Sinestro and Kilowog, because they're technically aliens, doesn't matter. But Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz will be your diversity cast if you will um so yeah very interesting i mean i'm uh i'm always i think like because the green lantern uh there's just such a vast array of green lanterns that i feel like there is room for all these characters but um as me who's like drew i think you're like i'm more of a casual green lantern fan than you you know, the three biggest names I know as far as being Green Lanterns aren't announced in the show at all. So I think you might be right where they're saving uh, Kyle Rayner, uh, Hal Jordan and John well, Stewart the for like, just, the movie. Why is Kyle but... Rayner not on this list? And this, yep, is just, exactly. this could be a preliminary list, too. But like, where's Kyle Rayner? Like Hal Jordan, John Stewart and Kyle Rayner should be on the list if you're doing a Green Lantern Corps movie. Like, why not? They all should be if you're doing a Green Lantern Corps. Um, but, hey, that's fine. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. But uh, I still overall, I still think this is real. This is going to be really cool to just see a Green Lantern show in general. Um, and I'm sure they've got some pretty interesting plans with these characters. But I think it's just the absence of some of the really big ones that kind of leaves us puzzled a little bit. Right. Well, um, that kind of brings us to the end of the news, man. Um, do you want to um, run the list? 
Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, it is list time, so you know what to do, man. Can you roll the thing? And now for the top five. All right. Peter, this was my pick. So yep. we're talking guilty pleasure movies tonight. Um, I did think as I was doing this, and I probably should have texted you, um, this is a weird one because I have two that are kind of categories on my list um, in terms of like, I really like this type of movie and they are all bad kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so these, the, my, my idea for this list was essentially movies that are um, not necessarily good, but we absolutely love them. And, uh, you know, we have to, we, we kind of watch them a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have one fairly new one on the list. The rest of them, uh, not so much. Um, I only have one honorable mention. I don't know about you before. Uh... Yeah, I actually found this list very hard. Um, I don't have any honorable mentions, um, but I do think that guilty pleasures just as a topic is a really interesting topic because um I try to honestly not feel guilty about anything I like, but uh, a lot of things yeah. on my list are things that just everybody else says is bad, but I honestly really like. So, uh, well, there's that the, aspect. And well, this is oh. the problem because technically, technically for me, Star Wars is a guilty pleasure movie. It is not bad. No one thinks Star Wars is bad. Everyone loves Star Wars. The point I'm making is, is Star Wars to me, I watch for comfort. I watch it when I'm sad. I watch it when I'm happy. Yeah. I watch bored i watch it when i'm sick i watch it when i'm tired and just want to take a nap like i will watch star wars ad nauseum so for me it's a guilty pleasure because i just always want it on and around me but it's not bad so star wars is not on my list tonight you know i just yeah i mean you could have put like the ewok adventures on your list yeah maybe but but... yeah into the star wars category so right um but, uh, oh, no, I was going to say, I don't really have any categories, but a couple of my picks do sort of exemplify broader categories of uh, movies that I just really like that might be more uh, considered more lowbrow or, you know, not super good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if you want to jump in. I Like I said, I don't, I don't have any honorable mentions. Any honorable but... mentions? Okay, so my one honorable mention, um, I only have one honorable mention, and it's not a movie, it's a television show. Um, so it's kind of a cheat. That's why it's thrown the honorable mention category. And it's the show Wings. Um, I love Wings, and I know a few other people love it, but I know a lot of people who don't. <laughs> really? And sometimes when I bring it up in conversation, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't like that show. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, so clearly there's a collective group of people out there that didn't like the show. But it did run for eight seasons. So, you know. Um, but I love it. Um, I just wanted to bring it up, and that's why it makes an honorable mention and not my actual list. So, yeah. Okay, nice. Um, so this goes to your first pick. Yeah, um, so really another just really quick disclaimer. Some of my picks we've talked about quite a bit, um, which kind of goes to show how I don't really feel too guilty about <laughs> most things that I well, like. Well, it's um, weird because I want to talk like, and this is a thing we got to talk about stuff that we like that isn't necessarily good, but we like talking about yep. stuff that's good. It's just it's a weird list. And I realized that after I picked it, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have picked this list. Oh, no, um, no, I, I, th- I think it's a really fun, fun topic just in general. Well, let me before you give me your actual pick. I have a 
So I have a friend of mine who I was talking to, and he admitted to me, and I'm not going to say his name on the air because he may be listening. And uh, I'm not going to say what movie it was because he told me <laughs> to keep it a secret. But there was a movie that came, <laughs> because there was a movie that came up and gone in conversation where he said that he was at he was dreadfully embarrassed he never saw the movie. And, oh, okay. And he um, and it's an issue of like he's one of those guys like me where he sees everything and he follows box office dollars and he like he actually gambles with some friends on what movie how like, you know, when Endgame came out, they actually had a bet going as to how much money Endgame was going to make. Like he gambles on this stuff and he tries to see every big movie and he tries to see every Oscar winner. And he, he's like me in that aspect. So when he brought it up, I was like, wow, you've never seen that. And it was only me saying that to him going because I know his movie viewing habits. Wow. You've never seen that. Um, but he said he's dreadfully embarrassed that he never saw the movie. So it made me think it'd be really funny. And that kind of made me think of this list. Like what are movies we love that aren't necessarily good? What I should have done is taken his idea and we should have done movies that were embarrassed. We never saw. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty good one too. Um, but yeah, so um, or like we we like, yeah, I've never seen that. Don't tell anybody, but I'm going to put it on the podcast because why not? Yeah, I, I heard um, not to like derail this too much. I did hear this uh, a long time ago. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about movies they had never seen, but they always pretend they had. <laughs> and there's one guy who said uh, for he had never seen Blade Runner, but he always pretends that he has because he does. Feels like he should have seen it, and I always just thought that was just such a funny uh, concept in general. That's that is really funny. And Blade Runner, Blade Runner, I think is one of those sci-fi movies that people would lie about seeing. Exactly, uh-huh. because it's it's one of those things that when it comes up in conversation, people are always just like, "Yeah, it's kind of like Blade Runner," <laughs> and you're just like, "Yeah." Blade Runner, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, this is gonna a total tangent, and I'm gonna derail this a little bit. Um, there's a show called Happy Endings. Uh, have you ever seen it? I've heard the name a million times. Um, uh, Eliza Coop. Eliza Coop is in it. Um, uh, I, I think it's Marlon Wayans is in it. Uh, Eliza, uh, Alyssa Cuthbert's in it. Um, it's a really funny. Oh show. yeah, I, I have seen this show. I remember. Um, okay, it's a really on. funny show, but there's an episode where one of the characters, Max, is all about like every time someone says something, he's like, "Yeah," like they do in The Wire, and um, then something happens later, and he's like, "Yeah, that's just like in The Wire," and like he says it probably ten times in the episode. Like he he keeps making references to the television show The Wire, and at the end of the episode, you find out he's never watched a single episode of The Wire. <laughs> That's great. Um, I just thought it was a really great running gag. Okay, tangent over. What's your first pick of the night? <laughs> yeah, uh, so as I was saying, since I've discussed some of these before, I wanted to get this one just over and done with. Batman and Robin. <laughs> so this is a movie that a lot of people hate. Um, I've talked on, on the show before about how I'm a bit of a Batman and Robin apologist at this point because, in my opinion... I feel like they were really going for that 66 uh, Batman sort of tongue in cheek humor. And it makes me want to rewatch the movie in that mindset. Exactly. And I, I think the day I realized it was, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I caught it on TV and just some of the gags were just so ridiculous. I kind of just picked up them like 
wait, this is a comedy. And I just started like cracking up at a lot of the parts. Um, there's there's some unforgivable stuff, though. Like in the 1960s, they still understood that Batgirl is supposed to be Commissioner Gordon's daughter. They messed that up in the movie <laughs> really no, bad. So there's, there's some stuff in there that's kind of unforgivable. But, yes, I agree. I, um, I'm not saying I'm not saying the movie is without flaws um, at any, you know, in any way. But uh, I think that's just my thing is I've come to appreciate it more viewing it through more of a tongue-in-cheek lens. Um, also, just this movie, when it first came out, I was a kid, and I saw it, and I really enjoyed it. So even if I hated it now, I think there would still be a little bit of that, you know, 11-year-old or whatever in me that really liked the movie anyways. So that's that's kind of where it is. Um, I don't know if I have too much else to say about it, but yeah, Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, you heard it here. Batman and Robin. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's guilty pleasures. <laughs> I know, I know, I don't mess with you. All right. Uh, so my first one, and I'll do the, um, I'll do the newest, most recent film together, and that is uh, the movie Passengers. I'll do that one first. Um, did you ever see Passengers? This is the uh, Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence are trapped in space movie. Um. Yeah, I've tried to watch it a couple times, and uh, <laughs> every time I either fall asleep or it gets stopped uh, right around when. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is awakened. Uh, That's usually when I have to be pulled away from it. So I've never watched it the full way through, but uh, Um, go on. I, this is a movie that I just really, really enjoy straight through. There is a really weird turn in the movie when, so she's a, this is spoilers. She's awakened, but waking her up means she's going to die. So technically even though he woke her up for the reasons he woke her up and you think it's all romantic and sweet and everything, you still don't really realize it until she finds out and gets pissed at him that he basically kills her because he woke her up. Um, and it, the movie take, well, cause they're on a, they're stuck on a spaceship that is going to be, uh, the spaceship's going to go for, um, it's a 90 year trip and they woke up, with like 81 years left to go, but they're already in yeah. the movie, so they're not going to survive. Like he's not going to survive the trip and he knows that. And then he wakes her up. So it's going to be the two of them. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. so because he purposely woke her up, uh, she's not going to survive. So technically he sentenced her to death and it's a really weird turn in the movie, but then eventually they come back together, but there is like a romance. There is a love story to it. Um, and then there's the sci-fi craziness of the spaceship being in, in space and the problems on the ship and stuff, which is really cool. Um, overall, I just really like this movie. And if it's on, I stop and watch it. Like I put it on all the time. Like I own a copy, but I will stop and watch it anytime. Like it's just on. I'm like, Oh, passengers is on. And I just didn't watch. Um, yeah, you really should watch it, dude. It's cool. It's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. I just, um, I don't know. It's not, but it's also not that good either. So I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. Passengers. Yeah. I just have, a. two quick comments on that it does show in the trailer of the movie that she she gets awakened so i don't necessarily think that's a spoiler but maybe that's oh, just me okay. um well, otherwise she's gonna die is technically the spoiler but it's you gotta oh, really guess, like see the movie that to go. was implied in the trailer oh. as well oh, okay <laughs> so, um I, I'm kind of curious, like, why why do you say it's not that good though i'm just uh or is it more you have to see it to I no, think when I watched it the first time, I was like, hmm, that wasn't as good as I was hoping. 
And okay. then I watched it the second time, and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. And then I watched it, like, you get this, like, it's that thing, I, it's that part in your stomach, I think, when you realize what he did waking her up and, like, what he's basically causing to happen because he woke her up, that you're just like, hmm, that's really kind of morbid. And it, like, just sits weird with you. Um, yeah. It's not, it's, I think it's a very predictable movie. I think it's a very, uh, um, follows a lot of standard story tropes that you just kind of expect. You kind of see things coming. Uh, there's a really cool anti-gravity sequence, which is amazing. Um, because Jennifer Lawrence is swimming in a pool and the gravity goes out and the water starts lifting out of the pool, but now she's stuck in this bubble cause she can't swim out of the water. Um, that's awesome. Like it's, that's such a cool like sequence. Um, but, uh, there's some cool stuff in the movie, but overall, I mean, it's not the best movie to watch. Like it, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I like it. So at the end of the day, I like it. It's a guilty pleasure. That's why. <laughs> okay. Nice. So, there yeah. you go. All right. Uh, okay, you're cool. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my next pick is a movie that I've talked about before and I don't even remember why I talked about this movie because it's very weird. Um, but it came up on another list of ours and that is, a movie called Cellar Dweller. <laughs> and what this is, is it is a B-horror movie, but it's kind of like somebody made a really shitty B-horror movie that's almost custom catered to my personal tastes. And that's why I like this movie. Uh, this is a movie that I discovered because I really like movies about comic book artists. Um, it's a big ha hobby of mine to like make comics and draw like in a comic book style and stuff in my free time. Um, so it's just something I'm, I've always been drawn to like movies like chasing Amy, one crazy summer gremlins, even like movies where the character where the main character is a comic book artist or publisher. I obviously just like eat that up. Like I find it very interesting. And I was looking online actually about like movies that are, about comic book artists and this movie seller dweller came up and what this movie is is it's about a comic artist who basically <laughs> it's basically about this comic book artist who is making a horror comic called seller dweller that is about a monster <laughs> running around eating people you know and what he does on accident while making this comic is he summons a demon <laughs> and what happens is everything that he draws ends up actually happening. So the artist draws like this crazy demon monster killing somebody that happens in real life. Uh, the original artist who created this demon monster thing, or I guess I should say summoned the, the this original artist ended up dying though. Um, be, he ended up being killed by this monster. And later on, there is a girl who is, another artist who's just obsessed with the original cellar dweller comics. Like it's this, you know, underground uh, indie horror comic that she was obsessed with. And she decides she wants to recreate or maybe reboot the cellar dweller series. And she goes and lives at a, um, like she, she has like a art artist resident residency. So she stays, uh, in like this cabin somewhere with a bunch of artists and uh, they're all working on their own uh, work and she's working on this reboot of Cellar Dweller and you know long story short she ends up resurrecting the demon again and all this all the stories that she draws ends up happening and she kind of ends up killing everybody else in this artist residency around her this is a very specific 
very weird movie. But like I said, it's like everything is just stuff that I think is awesome. It's like indie comics, crazy latex, like 80s B-horror effects, uh, artist residency. Like that's a really cool, unique uh, setting for a film. And so this movie is not good. I know it's kind of shit. It's kind of... um, it's very bizarre, <laughs> but it's it's just I really enjoy this one. So, um, Drew, I don't think you've seen I've, this. I've um, never se- I've never seen this movie, um, and I yeah. and I completely forgot about this movie, and I laughed. I kind of chuckled silently to myself when you when I was typing it on the spreadsheet, and I was like, "When the heck did he talk about this movie?" And as you, I don't remember what list it was, but it but you but I do remember hearing about this movie. So yes, yeah, um, I feel like I really need to watch it, but it's. You you really don't unless the subject matter <laughs> interests you. you don't. Because it is it is a bad B horror movie, but I just like the subject matter matter just draws me in so much. Um, I did ended un, end up watching this movie for free on YouTube, so <laughs> just saying it's out there and who knows they probably haven't been slapped with a copyright claim yet. So very interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess we can move into your next pick. Yeah, so my next pick is the Transformers films. Um, oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of this. What's interesting about Transformers is, look, those first three movies are actually pretty decent, but they get a bad rap because of Michael Bay. And um, I don't necessarily think Michael Bay is that bad of a director. I really don't. I kind of like some of his storytelling. If you watch, uh, like, The Island is one of, the, I think, his best movie he's ever done. Um, but I was uh, Bad Boys 2 was on... Um, Bad Boys 2 was on TV on AMC, and in that movie, Michael Bay directed, you see the same car chase three times. And I never noticed that before when I watched the movie because I liked Bad Boys 2. Uh, um, I like Bad Boys 2 better than Bad Boys 1, but I was like, wow, the same car chase is in the movie three times. That's really odd. Um, but the Transformers films, I feel like everything Michael Bay has ever done is in all of the Transformer movie, movies and they get bigger and longer and it's more metal. And you eventually get to a point where you don't know who's even fighting. Is it a good guy or a bad guy? But at the end of the day, they're kind of cool and they're really fun and they have an amazing score. I mean, amazing score. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I think the Transformers movie get a bad rap and for good reason, but they're a lot of fun and they're kind of cool. <laughs> so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I think yeah. everything you said just sums it up really well. Um, I enjoy these movies too. I don't, I will never, I don't think I'll ever say I love them, but I do enjoy watching them visually. They have, they're really spectacular. Um, as you said, I never really think about the music, like the soundtrack of the movie, but they do have a really good score as well. Um, and uh, I think when it comes to Michael Bay, I saw a quote from him once that I thought was <laughs> that I th- I just think sums up his work so well, where he said once and he was probably getting uh, somebody was giving him crap for one of the Transformers movies. And he said, I make movies for teenage boys. What a tragedy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and I always love that quote because I'm like, he has a point. Like, it is a big, like, 90s image comic. Like, he's just making something for fun, and you don't have to be that critical, sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, that rolls back to you, man. Okay, so, um, 
I have a lot of monster movies on my list, and I'm going to move into my next one. So moving from Cellar Dweller into my next one, this movie I really enjoy. I think it's really fun to watch, especially with a group, and that movie is Tusk. And this one is weird because this is a movie that I do really like, but everybody I talk to doesn't like it. And you go online and nobody likes this movie. And I think it's because it's a weird, like, B-horror monster movie. And I think that's just a niche genre that not, that's not going to appeal to everybody. You know, this movie doesn't have a happy ending. This movie has a lot of gross, weird stuff in it. But uh, this is the Kevin Smith movie that is about a podcaster who goes to interview uh, an, an old, an, a retired sail, sailor who has a um, who wants to tell him his stories. He wants to share share his tales for the podcast, and uh, the sailor ends up uh, <laughs> kidnapping the podcaster and slowly turning him into a walrus through uh, crude surgery and stuff like that. Uh, this movie is really gross, but it's another one where. I love the monster aspect of it. I love the podcaster aspect of it. I think it's, I do really enjoy the story. This is also just one of those movies that, like I said, if you watch this with a group of friends, it is a delight to just watch your friends squirm and be confused and stuff like that. (laughs) One of the things that got me in the movie, like really got me in the movie was when, um, you're, he realizes he's not the first walrus. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah that's actually a really that's a really that, good scene that that got me big i was like whoa <laughs> um yeah so yeah that's yeah, that's, that's a, cool yeah yeah that, that's a that's a really good call too but yeah um oh the other thing i was gonna say is i did put this on um like i've been working at home uh since corona started but when I was at the office, I did put this on in the office one time just to have in the background because um, it's on Netflix. And it was really fun to see how my coworkers reacted to Tusk. That was really hilarious. Um, there was one girl who I worked with who was uh, complaining that none of it was realistic, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a unique <laughs> critique on the movie. She's like, you know, none of this would be possible, right? Like this surgery would not work at all. Stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, you have a point, but I don't think that's really the point of the movie either. So, <laughs> no, that's that's the person who uh, that's the person who uh, is really disturbed by the movie, and that's their way of justifying. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Too. Like, I'm really disturbed by this, but I'm not going to let anyone in the office know. <laughs> so I'm just basically I'm simply going to say this is really unrealistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, this rolls back into mine. So um, in the realm of like horror movies and stuff, um, I have this thing for virus movies in general. Um, You can't watch a movie about a virus for comfort at all. But for some reason, I absolutely love and completely fascinated by virus films. This is a movie about an invisible villain. You can't see the invisible villain um, and it's deadly and it's going to kill you. And everyone does everything wrong (laughs) Um, (laughs) leading up to someone eventually figuring out how to save everyone from the virus. Or you don't get saved by the virus and you have stuff like the movie Quarantine, for example. But virus movies in general, like I just love them to death. And some of them are fantastic. Some of them are not. 
But ultimately, like, I just I always think they're cool. So this COVID, the whole COVID thing was interesting because I wanted to talk and everyone was kind of scared for a little while. And now people are starting to joke around. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah that's. that's uh... Yeah. So my, this, really, like, this is one of my categories. I said I had two categories. Uh, virus movies is one of my is the category, I guess you could say. But yeah, that, yeah. that's uh, that's great. Um, one, I was just going to comment. The only thing I could think of as far as being like a comfort with virus movies is you could watch the movie and say, well, I guess we don't have it that bad, at least <laughs> or not yet, at least. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I don't uh, I don't have too much else to say about that. But that's a really uh it's a really good category too. Um, I guess I can move into my next one. If uh, yeah, okay, cool. So uh, the last kind of horror monster movie that I have on my list is the movie Man Thing. Uh, are you familiar with this one, Drew? I'm yes. sure you're familiar with it. Have you yeah. seen it? No, I have not, but I'm familiar okay. with it. And I always wondered if it's predicated on the Marvel series at all. Yep. No, ab- okay. absolutely. This is a this is based on Marvel's man thing. Uh, this movie came out, I want to say like late two thousands, like 2006, 2007. I could be wrong. It could have been before that, but, uh, this is basically, they took the character man thing and made a B horror movie out of it. <laughs> like that's the best way to describe <laughs> it. Like this is man thing killing people and, uh, wreaking havoc in the name of a cleaner environment. And it's uh, super enjoyable. I think this movie, I actually haven't heard a lot of haters on. I haven't heard people complain about, but the reason this is a guilty pleasure is one, it does have like so many sort of monster movie tropes. Um, and also just the general tone and maybe special, fe- special effects and stuff in this movie, I could see, I don't, it wasn't, but I could see it uh, be compared to like the sci-fi original films, you know, like where you have your Sharknados and stuff. Like there's certain aspects of the production that does have that sort of sci-fi creature feature um, feel to it. But overall, I do think this is a really enjoyable movie. Um, It's also slow a little bit at some parts, but I still I still really like this one. And the one thing, the best part of the movie is honestly the first five minutes, because there's this sort of um, it's this really typical horror scene where you see a there's a group of like younger, like 20 something people having a party out in the woods in the middle of a swamp. And uh, two of them end up leaving the party to go like hook up or whatever. (laughs) And then, of course, man thing hunts these people down. And the way it plays out um, is very (laughs) is very gruesome. It's very NSFW, but it's very entertaining and like a really B horror movie sort of way. So man, man thing is definitely pretty fun. I think you should check it out at some point, Drew. I will try to check that out. I have it on DVD if you want to. Oh, you do? It. It All right, was, cool, cool. Yeah, it was one of those things where back when Blockbuster was open, when they would be selling, uh, they'd be selling movies for like five bucks or whatever. I ended up picking up Man Thing, and that's how I ended up seeing this movie. But Well, we'll have to figure out something else because you still have one of my movies. That's true. That's true. Did you ever watch it? <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet. I think I am going too soon because it's. You've had John it for close Carpenter's to a year, man. Vampires and what's that? You had it close to a year, and it's Halloween. So you should be watching it soon, anyway. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what my thoughts were. So I, I do apologize for that. No, it's all good. I just realized I was like, wow, Peter still has that movie, but we've been <laughs> COVID lockdown Skype land, so um, I get it. Um, 
Um, so my next pick, um, this is an individual title. Um, it's a movie called um, Into the Blue. Have you ever seen this? Uh, no, you've uh, talked about it before, though. Okay. Um, ultimately, it, but never ultimately this movie it. is not the greatest. Um, it's basically a movie about um, uh, people who find a treasure, um, a shipwreck um, at the bottom of the ocean, um, and uh, they um, start excavating it to try and pull up the uh, uh, try basically to get the gold so they can get the treasure. Um, so this is an ocean treasure hunting movie uh, with Paul Walker, Jessica Alba, Scott Can, Ashley Scott, Josh Brolin's the villain. Uh, Thanos is in this. Um, so um, and it's and ultimately there is a crashed airplane nearby filled with cocaine that these drug lords are trying to get to. Um, the movie is not the greatest movie in the world. Um, I'll be very honest. I watched it because 90% of the movie, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, wait, Jessica Alba's in a bikini for 90% of the movie. I'm in. But, <laughs> but, but, it, but I ended up really, really liking the movie as a whole. And if it's on TV, I'll watch it. I own it. But like, if it's just on, I'll watch it. It's, it's actually kind of fun. And it made me kind of get into the idea of just ocean treasure hunting in general. And it made me actually like, look up stuff and read up on it and watch other movies like fool's gold. For example, that's another ocean treasure hunting movie. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I really liked the movie, but it's not the greatest. There's a really cool tiger shark, uh, sequence in the film too. Um, but it's, that's definitely a comfort movie that I'll throw on just in the event that I'm bored and I want something of that ilk. So, um, that's awesome. Um, do they talk about uh squalene at all in the movie? Um, I don't think so. Okay, I'm just kidding because we were talking about squaling so much a couple episodes oh. ago. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm being an idiot. Um, I was gonna comment. Uh, this is kind of random, but uh, Ashley Scott's in the movie, and I kind of want to watch it now just because whenever I hear like she's in something, I'm like, oh yeah, she was Huntress from Birds of Prey. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that actress, but uh, I mean, uh, was she, cool was in, in, um, in she was also in and Schwartz. Uh, was she in SWAT? Yeah, she was uh, Colin Farrell's girlfriend. Or oh, she was. But she was only in like one scene. She was. And then she's also in um, she plays the Rock's girlfriend in Walking Tall. OK. Um, she's got a bunch of scenes in that movie. But Oh, nice. Um, um, oh, sorry. Another quick aside. Sorry, I'm kind of lots of tangents, that. man. It's all good. That's the whole <laughs> point is to generate conversation. right? <laughs> Um, I, so I've been watching a lot of comic book men, as I've mentioned before. And, yeah. uh, at one point on one of the episodes, they ask each per, you know, they're just talking about random comic book stuff. And, uh, they ask the question, what's your favorite superhero TV show? And, uh, Mike said birds of prey actually. And then everybody made fun of him for it. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I like birds of prey, but oh, well, um, that's the story. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. I like Birds of Prey, too. I actually have a bunch of those on recorded VHS. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, what's uh, you're on your last pick of the night, man. Yeah. Um, sorry, the recorded VHS thing, that, that'd that be a good list. Like, what shows or movie did you like enough to record? Um, okay, anyways, moving into my final pick. So this one, I think... I saved this one for last because I think it exemplifies a uh, guilty pleasure movie better than anything I could think of. And that is the movie Ninja Assassin. 
Uh, Drew, you've seen ah. this, right? Or uh, Yes, I have. Okay, so this is... The Wachowskis uh, produced this movie, and this is a movie about ninjas running around doing ninja-ly things, and there's a lot of blood and guts and gore, and there's a plot, but the plot doesn't really matter because it's really... You're just watching all the cool ninja stuff the whole time. Um, one of the actors, I did see, like, when this movie came out, um, I did see on TV one of the actors get interviewed. Um, it was just on, like, a random morning show or whatever. And the way th- that uh, the actor described the movie is he goes, this movie is, like, 300, but with ninjas. <laughs> and I, I, I really think that that's what the movie is. Like, the fight scenes are just so badass looking looking and that's why i like this movie is just the martial arts the uh the gore is awesome like there's blood splattering all over but it's shot in a really cool way where it's kind of like artistic blood which is like really interesting um and it's just it's just really brutal and it's really fun the only complaint i have about the movie is the uh the sort of love interest for the main character is this uh this woman who's a reporter and she's kind of covering the story of uh, the ninjas and what they have going on. And I honestly thought every scene she was in, in this movie is really boring and unnecessary because anytime it was kind of going to the sort of reporter subplot, I was like, no, I just want to see more ninja stuff. Like why, (laughs) why are we doing this right now? Um, But overall, I just think this movie is really fun, but because of all the reasons I just said, I couldn't think of a better guilty pleasure movie than this one. So there you go. No, I, I hear you. And uh, you basically kind of summed it all. This is a co- it's just a cool movie and it's fun from top to bottom. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I completely forgot about Ninja Assassin. Um, all right. <laughs> so my last pick of the movie, this is a category. My last pick of the movie, my last pick of the night. Uh, this is a uh, category one. Okay. And this is um, not pretty much all of these movies are bad. Um, I have two favorites. I'll mention the two favorites, but they're almost all. Um, uh, these are almost all bad, but it's skiing movies. And that means any movie that has skiing in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. I, I don't know what it is. I like to ski like snow ski, but um, like downhill and stuff. But and I don't know what it is, but I have to like I just love them and I have to like watch every movie that has skiing in it. And I own a ton of them. Like I'm just like, oh, it's got skiing and I buy it. Um, some of them are really good. The majority of them are bad, um, but I will watch them all because absolutely. And my two favorites are uh, Out Cold and uh, Ski School. And most people know Ski School. Um, but those are my two favorites. They're phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I just have this love for them and I don't know what it is. I just was like, Oh, it's got skiing and I'll watch it. Um, yeah. Um, I, I had a feeling that at least one of these movies was going to come up. Um, I didn't know it was going to be the whole category, but it totally makes sense. I think that's a really cool category in general. Um, I almost was going to pick, pick like anything with like extreme sports, like skateboarding and stuff like that. Like that concept made my short list, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a really good call. Um, I keep thinking, like, uh, Better Off Dead, that's the one with the ski race at the end, right? The uh, John Cusack movie? Yeah, I need my and, new dollars. Yeah, and that that's not considered a bad <laughs> movie, right? Right, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it a skiing movie because it's only that one sequence. But it has skiing in it. I agree. <laughs> 
I agree. <laughs> I've seen it. I just wouldn't count. I don't know if I'd count it as a skiing movie so much okay. as it would uh, some of the other ones. So okay, fair enough. I was gonna say my other. Uh, I do. I do really like Out Cold. Like that's probably my favorite one. Um, my other like favorite, just really bad skiing movie is probably Downhill Willie. Did you ever see that one? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's probably where that's like just really stupid comedy, but. I remember watching it when I was like a freshman in high school or something and thinking it's hilarious. So <laughs> it'll just hold a special place in my heart, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that kind of brings us to the end of the list, man. Um, so next week um, will be our Halloween episode. Now, unfortunately for Peter and I, Halloween lands on a Saturday. And since our episodes release on Monday, we were trying to figure out what the best timing to release this episode is. Is it going to release the Monday before Halloween or is it the Monday after Halloween? Um, but the closest we can get you to Halloween is the Monday after Halloween. So our Halloween episode will release then. Sorry, but we just trying to make it as easy for everybody. So um, we're, yeah, we're helping out with the, the post Halloween blues, really. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. In the realm of 2020, when everyone can sort of trick-or-treat, I guess, you might as well uh, get this in your uh, candy bag afterwards, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, so next week we are going to do – we agreed on horror villains, Peter. Is that right? Yeah. You want to kind of explain that a little bit better so, you, so we can understand what we're – for the people playing at home? Well, I think it's any villain from a horror story. So you could go Freddy Krueger, Norman yeah, Bates. You could go. You, I was going to say, uh, but you could also choose from TV shows, too. If you want a specific specific like Hannibal, for example, um, I specifically want to f- talk about him as opposed to from the television show, as opposed to the films. You know, you can choose back and forth. Um, and from, I, I would even I would even say like we could probably I mean, I don't know if we'll have it, but I could I'd say we could probably open this up to books and comics and video games and stuff. Um, yeah, why not? Just open it up. Especially even even knowing like how much like horror is such a prevalent like literature category. Like I feel like there there's potential, I guess, there at least for some cool stuff. So. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're going to do next week. Um and um yeah any things you want to add to that before we uh, close out tonight peter no i already have uh, three of mine picked though because i've got oh, nice. cellar okay. dweller uh tusk and man thing so i just need two more and... <laughs> sweet <laughs> i look forward to talking about those again no i'm kidding um all right well how about this uh that's what we do next week so next week's our halloween episode um do us a favor, uh, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our link to our email, uh, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our email. Hit us on social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. And you can leave us a review. Uh, we love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it makes us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding you to never respond to a flyer from a retired sailor in Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, um, 
uh, for the Top 5 Report. I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening.